Welcome to the Ryan Ocean Podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Ryan Ocean, and welcome to this week's episode of the Ryan Ocean Podcast. And on the episode this week, we got from Texas, Dirty Andy Dalton. Andy, what the hell is up, man? Uh, not too much, man. Just um, <clears throat> I would say living the dream, but uh, apparently recently has been more of a nightmare for most people. Yeah. Uh, so just kind of taking it day by day and uh, doing my thing. What do you, um, you know, I know you do a lot of, obviously you're a pro wrestler. There's a, the, the, we'll get into your background, all that kind of stuff later. But how has this, you know, I haven't seen, and I'm sure there's podcasts on it and people are talking about it. And obviously it's all over the fucking news, but wh- how has this, the whole COVID-19 or coronavirus, whatever you want to call it, how is this impacting your day to day? A lot of people, I'll be the first to admit, it doesn't impact me that bad because of my work. It doesn't matter if I have to go in or not, but I know a lot of people are negatively affected in different ways. How is this affecting you? Uh, well, I mean, as you said, I'm a professional wrestler, uh, whether it's believed or not, or people think that I'm just like trying to gas myself up or, you know, pad my ego or resume. Uh, wrestling is a, I'd say it's a strong 75% of my income. Yeah. Um, and for the foreseeable future, I mean, we're talking about possibly till the second weekend of May, there's no wrestling shows. And, you know, the next, just, just March and April alone, uh, you know, those two months are, were just littered with bookings all over. Um, and of course, WrestleMania weekend, I had a pretty big match that hadn't been announced. Uh, and I actually dropped the flyer the other day, just kind of let everybody know <clears throat> the realm of, uh, how serious this is and what it's doing to the wrestling business. And like to kind of give everybody a teaser, um, as to what they'd be missing. But on the, what, what was cool about it was it got, it got a pretty substantial amount of buzz on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Enough people like, were like, Oh wow, that was going to happen. That hadn't been announced. Oh my God, that's crazy. Can we have that match? And I've had a couple promoters say, Hey, when stuff's back up and running, I think, I think we should do this. Um, are you not, so gonna, it, are you not going to tell us who you're not going to tell uh, us? Me, <laughs> me versus Effie. Oh, Effie. I've been on shows. Yeah. Of yeah. And I feel like with my, I hate using the word character or gimmick because if you know me, you know that I really am a dirty person. Yeah. Like yeah. not in the sense that like I don't shower or didn't, I don't like. Didn't I? It just. Yeah, I've I've told you before, haven't I? Been like, bro, you need some new shoes. <laughs> like, exactly. <laughs> like, and and it's not that like out of, not out of not being able to provide myself with that. It's more of a just like, you know, my upbringing. Um, I grew up in a trailer park, yeah. uh, low to bottom class. If you've, if you've seen the uh, television show Roseanne, the original one, then you've seen my life. Yeah. Um, I mean, there was times where our power was shut off. There was times we didn't have very much food. Like, I mean, it's just kind of, you know, so, you know, becoming an adult, I don't, I mean, I appreciate nice stuff. And when it happens, it's cool. But, like, I'm not going to lose my mind if I don't have the new J's on the, like, I, I've never, Outside of a short phase during a teenager, which drove my mom crazy because it was 50 bucks a pair, uh, outside of like my short airwalk phase and yeah. Vans phase, I've worn Walmart shoes my entire life. Yeah. Like, I mean, Wait, you it, it, shoes. It, exactly. Yeah. So, like, my mom used to say something, <clears throat> and I use it all the time. Uh, anytime I hear somebody say, well, I need more money, the term more money is, is not real because the term more in my definition of more is uh an excess of what's needed where you always need money so there's no such thing as more money 
Yeah. Like, or, or extra money for yeah. that matter. Like, I, I got, go a, ahead. I got a prime example that it, I heard this saying a long, long, long time ago, and I didn't necessarily believe it. Um, but it's, you live within your means. So prime example when i first joined the air force i was an airman and and everybody knows i wrestle all the time actively until up my injury a couple months ago obviously but you know we travel around wrestling every weekend but in my in my other side of my life in the military there's a very like rank hierarchy and things like things of that nature and as you get promoted you make more money well when you're a, when you're a lower rank when you first come in you're not making that much money and you always imagine, oh, when I get promoted, I'm going to save this much. And then when I get this promotion, I'm going to save this much. No, you end up buying nicer cars or nicer clothes, and you're still left with the barely anything left that you have. And you're still like, I need to make more. So you're right, that that make more, no matter what, even when you get that, there becomes a new make more. And then it's a never, exactly. it's a never ending domino effect of uh, bullshit, kind of. It kind of sucks. Yeah. It does, and like, like it's like the old saying: "More money, more problems." Like, yeah. just because you have more doesn't mean you don't deal with more. Um, so, I mean, like, me being—it goes back to me being dirty. Like, it's—it's it's just kind of like I'm that grimy. Everyone has a friend like me. Um, I'm that grimy, bottom of the barrel, lower class, like, just me. Um, so it's—it's it's really everyone wanted to see that in Effie because Effie leads such a. I'm trying to be politically correct and not make anybody mad because I, I none of that stuff bothers me yeah. uh, at all. I've somehow had to say it without offending someone. Um, I think Effie, I think the correct term is he's uh, openly gay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and his character is very flamboyant. And it, it, you're either a pro wrestler who's gay or you're a gay pro wrestler. Yeah. Like, I feel like it's one of the, like, if you're going to do something like that. So I feel like in that sense, like, a lot of who he is and his character is defined by being gay. There's nothing wrong with that if that's the route he takes. I know a professional wrestler who just happens to be gay, but it's not part of his character. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't make you anything any less or more gay or a better wrestler. It's just your preference. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. But with how outlandish Effie is, um, I feel like you know the, some of the shenanigans me and him would have done together. And then it's Mania weekend. There's all eyes on us. So I know we both would have went the extra mile to really, like. This is probably the boldest statement I think I've ever made in my entire career, but we would have been two of the main talked about people mania weekend had the match went down. Yeah, and I think people know that. I th- um, was that going to be on the big gay brunch or was that going to be on Texas Forever or or another Texas show? Forever, okay. Texas Forever, um, <clears throat> which would have been cool because it was a chance for Texas to show what we have to offer and then to show that we we could be diversified. Um, so I mean, like mania weekend bookings. Um, and then to kind of peel back the curtain a little bit, uh, I have a real job yeah. or a shoot job, as I like to call it. It's just anywhere from one to three or four days a week. I work overnight at 24-Hour Fitness, yeah. the gym uh, in McKinney, Texas, <clears throat> which is like a like a smarmy suburb of Dallas, uh, north of Dallas. Um, they they're shut down. Yeah, and you, they yeah. shut down like. They shut down Monday. I was supposed to go into work Monday night. My manager checked me and said, don't bother coming in. We're closed for a week. Uh, we're going to pay you for this week. The company-wise being paid for even though we're closing. However, if it stays closed past a week, please be warned. Uh, you'll have to file for unemployment. Okay. Well, and at least so they're, they're talking about doing stimulus checks and stuff like that. So. Hopefully. Yeah. And I've seen that. And like, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and lie. Like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm lower class and maybe I should do more of this, but like, I don't really know how politics work. I don't think the president 
the role itself oh. is very real in the sense that like it's a figurehead. Yeah. He he makes decisions and says things, but he isn't he isn't the end all be all. Um, like we're led to believe when we're kids. Well, everything um, everything's got to go through checks and balances. That's the way the government. I'm actually a politician, brother. No. Um, oh wow. But no. Hey, you. So cool. They answered me a question. If they go ahead with the stimulus package for everybody, yeah. how do they get everyone's address? So that's something that I'm not sure of because they've done this before. There was a stimulus. I can't remember the year, but it was a little while back. Um, I. <laughs> I'm not I like I said I can't remember. I made a joke today. I was like what are they going to mail us checks and then what if the banks are closed? But you could do an electronic picture and deposit it if that were the case. I want to say um if it if if it didn't get sent out, there would be a way to go pick it up, but I have no clue cuz I it's everything everything is closing. I don't know. Like I filed my taxes this year already. I don't so they have my checking account number. I don't know if it would be direct deposited. Those that's one of the things that hasn't been answered. I, I think the biggest problem is um not necessarily where does the money come from, but it's gonna get added onto something else. We're gonna pay for it in the long run. Or you know, your kids or your grandchildren are gonna end up paying for it in the long run. That's the big that's the biggest issue. I it won't be an issue to get people money. It, it, the biggest issue is where that money goes, and the president, yeah, he'll he'll sign off on it. Trump will sign off on it, uh, saying that, yep, this is going to be good to go. But it still has to make its way through all the checks and balances. And like right now, they're in the process of, it's basically an argument of where does it come from, how much is it going to be per person, is it per child also, per household, all those things are still be, being worked out and discussed, but. The money's going to come. The problem that I, the not necessarily a problem, the worry that I would have for people like yourself, and I'm, I'm not speaking you as in down onto you or anything, just people that would want to, if your job doesn't open up and you have to go collect unemployment, if that's the route you wanted to take, um, that office being open. Because I just, I, I bought a, a firearm the other day. I bought a new Glock 23. And I went to get my concealed carry permit today. And the Department of Agriculture in, in Florida is closed until 15th of April. And right next to it is the Social Security office, which is also closed until the 15th of April. So is the unemployment office even going to be open? Uh, well, I've had unemployment before. Um, you follow online. And, and here's the thing is a lot of people are filing and being told to file by their uh, employer. Yeah. What's 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 lucky for me, I guess, lucky or a blessing or I don't really know how else to put it um, <clears throat> because I've had it before. I get I'm already registered with them. So all I would have to do is go into my account through them and go, hey, guys, my job said do this and they would activate it. Oh, OK. And they'd con- then, then they contact. Here's what people don't know about uh, unemployment, which always blows my mind. If I get unemployment through 24 hour fitness, they're still paying for it. 24 hour fitness is. Yes, because. Every company pays what's called unemployment insurance. Okay. That covers if somebody they fire or have to let go or whatever the case may be, followed for unemployment, it's still coming out of twenty four hour fitness pocket. Yeah. Or any company you work for. Because they've insured that. And I don't think um if you get fired, you can't collect unemployment, can you? Uh, repeat that. If you get fired, you can't collect unemployment, or is it a certain reason? If you get fired, like if you, it's got to be, it's got to be a certain reason. So if I mean, if you were a dickhead and negligent at work, and they're like, "Bro, you can't work here. You need to leave. You can't go collect unemployment for that." Exactly. You can fight it. Um, when I was uh, let go from my position of running a gym in the Dallas area, I filed for it, and they fought it. Yeah. And they were like, "We're not going to give that to you because you don't deserve it." And I felt like the reason I had been let go was uh, untrue. I, I know the owner, still know the owner of the company, and I knew there was some 
like in anything, there was some politics and some backdoor whispering and some he said, she said. So uh, I got caught in the crossfires. Uh-huh. Um, and they were at the time they weren't they had opened up a second location. So the business, their business wasn't doing very well. So they were having a pull from my location to fund the new one, uh-huh. which is never anything you want to do in any kind of business. If you want to open up two buildings, one should not cover the other because then they have their, you know, what they're expected is above and beyond and yeah. then some. Well, you obviously don't have um, enough money coming in if you need to borrow from the other. Exactly. So long story short, I ended up not getting it. They fought it. Uh, I had to do an on the phone hearing. Uh, and it, it was just very, very, I guess political is the only term I can think of. It was just very business oriented and it didn't go in, in my favor, um, which it is what it is. Obviously I'm doing okay now. Yeah. Uh, but all of that long winded the, uh, this Corona, this COVID has like affected the world. And I mean, I saw some pictures of people in Florida still going to the beach, not following with the protocol, which I mean, is what it is. People are. So I, I'm, t- I'm 10 minutes from Pensacola beach. I was at the beach the last couple of days, but what you don't see is, so our, and our beach is still open. There's a lot of people complaining about the beach being open. Um, you you first off this was spring break week so there's already people that are committed and you're going to get a lot of people that are going to do the whole the government's overreacting with this now that's a different subject in itself in my opinion and we could talk about that too but you know people are already committed to coming down here when i went to the beach and i am pro keeping the beach open and here's why for us the spring breakers are about to leave me being a resident here and when i say i live less than 10 minutes from the beach that's not i'm not exaggerating i live like at the beach I have are- awesome. I have areas that I can go where I can be a hundred feet from anyone from the, when I walk out my door until I get to my spot on the beach. The beach is huge. The problem is yeah. you had all these spring breakers that are all congregating where all the bars are and all the nightlife type stuff is. And then and and Pensacola Beach is like that. But a lot of the pictures that you saw online were like down in Miami and uh, the Tampa, I believe, area east uh, west of Tampa. Um, by St. Pete, all, all those areas like that, which get really, really, really busy with spring breakers. And, and there's a lot of people that, you know, as shitty as it sounds, there. and I don't know exact numbers. I wish I did, but obviously it's rising. But in some people's opinion, not rising enough to be of concern. But when they're like, how many people live in America? And, you know, you chunk out, you know, whether it's mil- millions and millions, and they're like, oh, well, only like, what, 300 people died? No big deal. Fuck it. And I think that's a lot of their opinion. And it's a lot of younger people, so they don't give a shit. Yeah, it's a it, it's. I see both sides of it, but for me, having kids uh, and a mother who was just diagnosed with lymphoma and breast cancer, yeah, um, literally within a week of each other, uh, I don't just be safe and sorry. Yeah, and, and now and, that, I and do that, know that being a responsible adult, I also know that life still has to go on. I can't just stop living. Yeah, so that's where the conundrum comes in for me, and like I'm just like, man, I don't this the. I'm not really – I'm glad that we're make, taking – you know, making decisions to make the next step. I just – I want to make sure the next step is the right one. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really weird, and you don't know, and it makes me wonder how long do we sit like this before we're kind of like, oh, fuck it, or we beat the curve, or it must be good. Um, here, here's, a, here's a question you brought and, – and sorry to hear about your mother. We were actually going to do this podcast last week, and I, I remember you posting about that, so I kind of let be – I didn't want to hound you about it, you know, obviously given the circumstances. So I appreciate you coming on this week. Um, but yeah. given, given those circumstances, not just personally 
that you have so close to you because I, I know that you're very close with your mom and stuff like that I from me knowing you in the past but especially with having children and you're in a situation where obviously you're going to want to work for us as wrestlers and I have I, I actually made a comment last night um, Danny Cage from the Monster Factory posted a question on Twitter and I replied to it um, at what point would you consider doing, you know, let's say a promoter wanted to do, um, have, oh, we use heavy metal wrestling. I know you work there and, and, uh, Dylan Dunbar runs that, right? Yeah. So cool dude. And I like their shows. I really, I've, and I've talked about that when I did Rob Love on here, I, great shows and I'm, I'm super into it. Let's say he came to you and said, Hey bro, we're going to do uh, no fans, just a, an empty venue. We're going to do something that we're going to live stream and it's going to have 10 to 15 guys on the card. At what point would you take that? Would you take that now? Would you want to wait a little bit? What What would be your, in your head, what would be a deciding factor in that? Okay, so for me personally, Andy Dalton, uh, the performer, Andrew, the human being, uh, it's kind of been a blessing in disguise, the break, because outside of maybe four or five months total, all combined together, I've been going nonstop for the last this is my 17th year yeah so i'm actually kind of okay taking a break um there's been a couple offers for some live streaming stuff for me to do um i'm not doing anything in march yeah i will play it by ear for april um there is an opportunity for something that hasn't even been announced or released yet that's been in talks uh and i would be a featured part of it and i would wholeheartedly love to do it i just want to make sure that in my heart like it's up it's everybody individually um i want to know in my heart that we're all safe in what we're doing and that we're all good um obviously we can't the performers can't all go get, get tested you yeah. know okay no we're cool we can do the show because that was the case we should do that in whole real wrestling shows yep. and have fans like I, I so um for me it's just gonna be like i'm not doing anything in march i don't care like unless someone drops like and I'm dobbing my money in my lap. I'm just, I'm not doing it. Uh, April is a strong possibility for two different uh, places. Um, but it's a tough decision that everyone needs to make on their own that they're comfortable with and that they feel healthy, wholeheartedly healthy, that it's a good decision. And it can't be a, well, it could or couldn't. If, you, if for the slightest bit you think it can negatively affect something, you don't do it. Yeah, the point, um, the point it's, it's not worth it. The point I brought up last night when I replied to that deal on Twitter was uh it was a question that said, Hey, do you who agrees or disagrees that this would be a good idea or not? And the the point that I brought up was let's say you had ten guys and we're for the most part, most of us are relatively young. You know, John Saxon retired, so everybody's young now. <laughs> and <laughs> but you let's say let's say there's someone who's asymptomatic i believe that's how you say it uh, you're not showing any symptoms and there's only one out of those 10 people have it but but you nobody knows and in terms of testing they can't test for it right away now even if they could test for it like the flu you know that takes a couple minutes that would be great if you were able to have testing kits there but we're not at that point right now with this so if you were to congregate 10 people right now and one person had it and then all ten of those left it. It's the multiplying factor. So all yep. ten of those people go. How do you? How are you not guaranteed? All ten of them aren't going to go to ten different WalMarts when it's all said and done. That yeah. that is where the the worriness. And I think that's why they want people to you know bunker down and stay inside. I'm more of a. I think it's. I think it it sucks. But the biggest thing that sucks about this is 
you know, people with the weakened, if you have a weakened immune system, and if it really does, I find it hard to believe that the individuals that have passed away, unfortunately, are the only ones that had, you know, asthma, uh, cancer, something, you know, something wrong with them. I like to believe that just based on the numbers and how many people we know have ailments like that. And when you look at the numbers of people that got sick, I believe there's probably a large number of people that had something like cancer and survived. It's just unfortunate the people in a real bad spot may not have. Um, but they're, they're, uh, there becomes this point where you wonder how much panic is being put into people and how much is that really worth? You know what I mean? Like people grabbing everything off the shelf. Like, is it, is it really necessary? I think it's the social distancing is necessary. I think not having large events is necessary. I think that anybody running a wrestling event right now in the last few days, or if they even plan to in the next three or four weeks is a complete dumb shit and doesn't deserve to be involved in the wrestling business. But, um, you there's this fear as well that like the media is imposing and people are afraid to like walk outside and i think that's too far we don't have to be that crazy about it but But, okay hold on in that same vein and i'm not agreeing or disagreeing i'm just presenting maybe i'm giving you uh i don't like using the term devil's advocate there's enough devil different different point of view Um, okay so i live in a townhome community yeah and you said, okay, people that are scared to walk outside, that's just silly. Uh, there's, I'm going to guess 75 of the townhomes in this community. Yeah. Somebody's got it here. Oh, you're probably, yeah, probably. So if I walk outside and they're my neighbor, I'm getting it. So that's where the fear is coming from. Well, the problem, so the problem just like is you see the, a... the one restaurant out of 10 having it and then we all are each other. I think what, and I don't know enough about politics or science. God, I was the worst science student in the history of existence. Um, I think before we go any further, we need every scientist, doctor, dentist. Uh, I don't care what you do for the medical field. I need everybody working together. Yeah. So like, let's get the, like a like a vaccine for this, so we can all just take this damn thing. And if we do get it, like I have a friend of mine. Um, I'm not going to reveal her name, but she's a she's kind of involved in wrestling. Okay. Uh, she had the flu or a cold from middle of November. Till probably the beginning of January, she came in contact with every single one of us, and she kicked. She's over it, and I was thinking about it, and I was like, "Man, this that could have been Corona, and none of us will ever know." Could, could have. But if she did have it, and she overcame it by just you know, for lack of a better term, getting her shit together. Yeah, it shows that like a lot of this like anxiety and stress, and people just like losing their mind over. What they don't. The biggest problem is we don't know. There's no and we can't trust it, like CNN. No. You can't trust Fox News. No. And like none of us are. No disrespect to anybody. None of us are educated enough to know like what the hell is really going on. Yeah, everybody just and freaks I think out. Uncertainty creates chaos. Yep. Fear coming from uncertainty creates chaos, and I think that's the biggest dilemma we're all facing. Well, here's my here here's a, here's a big one. And I've brought this up with some of my buddies, whether it's at work or, uh, you know, there's obviously other wrestlers I talk to in private and stuff that that I consider friends of mine. Um, I was listening to Chris Jericho's podcast, and he had one of those flat earth guys on there. And this dude, I can't remember the guy's name, but he was talking about how year after year after year they've been trying to get – uh, some sort of virus. Now you really had like SARS and the bird flu and swine flu, all these other type of things, and they've been they've been waiting 
like and in terms of like you talked about the president being a figurehead i i guess i, I legally i can't speak on that because of my job but if there's if there's something greater i don't want to talk i don't mean like a god but i mean like a a, a group that is over a lot more than just one country that wanted to control the population. One of the things that they were discussing was they've been looking for this pandemic of something to strike so much fear into people that when they do finally come out with a vaccine, everybody, will, everyone will submit to it and get the vaccine. And then the question is, what's really in the vaccine? You know what I mean? What are we subjecting ourselves to? Because we're so worried about fixing ourselves. What are we allowing our, like to be entered into us? Yeah. And what, what, what extra is in there? If there is anything extra, you know what I mean? Those are weird that's, things. Those are weird things. And that's scary. Yeah. And, and people are like, what the fuck is everybody buying toilet paper for? Like, there's been there's been no reports of your ass blowing out. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't, I don't understand that at all. Like, there's a lot of things. Like, uh, Lance Hoyt or Archer, whatever you want to call him, he yeah. posted a picture on Twitter, and it was hilarious. He posted a picture from a grocery store of all the toilet paper being gone. Yeah. But then he posted a picture of the, like, the pharmacy area. And there was nothing for your immune to be taken or vitamins or anything missing. No, everybody. It's like, well, where the hell is our priorities? Backwards. Everything. You're worried about wiping your ass when you can hot boot. I've I've been so poor. We didn't have toilet paper. It was toilet to shower. Yeah, we, that's what you did. So this this messed up uh, a trip that I had planned. I was going to this week. I was supposed to be in Philadelphia, New York, um, New Jersey, and I was going up to Stanford, Connecticut, and everything up there is bought like like my sister warned me before we were getting ready to come up there like hey bring extra this or that toilet paper was one of them um if you can because we're out up here everybody's going crazy so we ordered a box of 96 rolls toilet paper to bring with us to give to people because we got we know we don't need that much fucking toilet paper but we ordered this box off amazon didn't have to go to the store go crazy for it the dude just delivered to the house our trip obviously got canceled. I got this fucking big ass box of toilet paper sent in my house. I don't know if I'm ever even gonna use it. But it was to get it was to give away. Like I didn't I don't need that much shit. I don't shit that much. But no, now I, nobody else does. No, but I got this massive thing. So let's get back on so it was gonna be that that was a long digression from you versus Effie, by the way. But it was good. Uh Effie's cool as shit. I've worked I've I've never worked him personally, but I've worked on shows with him. Uh fuck I know promoters that can make that much happen. That's not that's not a difficult thing. Um, I've been on two shows with him and we uh I mean obviously the curtain's been pulled back enough in wrestling. Me and him hit it off. Yeah. We had great person chemistry which always translate to great in-ring chemistry yeah he's a funny um, dude so i can only dude. imagine the shenanigans that me and him would get into together yeah he's funny i i had some stuff canceled with all this shit too even though even well i had i had to cancel a lot of shit for my because when i tore my tricep but even after that i started getting with the new political gimmick thing i'm doing i i had bookings scheduled to come do campaign speeches at shows that awesome. now is obviously uh, canceled for the time being. The only benefit I have out of all this is that now, and I don't want to sound selfish, but now all the rest of you motherfuckers are on the shelf with me, and we all get to come back at the same time. <laughs> True, but on that same vein, to put some seriousness on into this, like you being kind of making light of it, like this is kind of a time we do need to be like obviously show compassion for everybody. Oh yeah, we need a little bit of selfishness too. Yeah, like take care of yourself because everyone took care of themselves then as a group we wouldn't all be in such a dilemma like just take care of your own shit like do you people, and don't 
people need to take care of themselves and not rely on other people so much. There'd be a lot less, I don't want to say begging, but there, there's a lot of people right now that are, that are not self-sufficient and it shows. Yeah. And completely. Uh, I mean, and you know, to an extent that, 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 that extends to me, um, but even taking wrestling out of it, like my job, quote unquote, it, it shut down. It's bad, kind of. I, I I would predict gyms are probably going to be out for at least four to eight weeks. I would think. Well, before. here in Dallas, the well, the governor of Texas just pretty much mandated all bars, restaurants, and gyms completely closed. Fl- the entire state. Yeah, Florida's done that too. But what Florida has done, this was just the other day, they've done uh, bars and nightclubs, and then restaurants are supposed to be uh, at a limited capacity. So that's the only mandate we have. Gyms, at, so far as far as I know, gyms are. Um, on a case by case basis, I would assume, which I kind of agree with. Like, for example, where, where I live in Florida, I think we've had in a 20, 20, 30 mile ish radius, I think we've had three cases total that even confirmed. One guy passed yeah. away, but he was in his 80s and he also had a lot of other stuff wrong with him. So, and, and we're not near a major city. Pensacola is not a major city, and I'm outside of Pensacola. Um, yeah. So it's it, it there is different circumstances. If you're near Dallas, fuck, that's a major hub. People are flying in and out of there. Business. Dallas uh, is travel. literally thirty minutes, like not even thirty minutes south of me. Yeah. So that that's obviously more under more understandable for that type of shit, which is which which obviously kind of sucks. But so gyms, yeah, it ain't gonna be for a minute, and hopefully all that kind of stuff will get worked out. Uh, the wrestling obviously is gonna wait, but you said you said you started wrestling 17 years ago. I'm sure that there's yep. people that know and there's people that don't know. I know of your father, who he was a pro wrestler. Is that what got you into wanting to be a wrestler? What what made you be fuck? I have to do this. This is what I want to do. Uh, I think as a child, it was more of a, Hey, I want to grow up and be like my dad yeah. and not because like, I guess it's just ingrained in your DNA. A lot of kids are like, you know, guys look up their dads as superheroes. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, and I think more so as a child, like watching it with him, I think I just said, I wanted to do that. Like you maybe because like out of, I can't think of the word, like looking for him to love me more or him to think that I was cool or accept me more. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I, you can ask my mom. I was a daddy's boy, like right. We were best friends, and I, I, I don't think wrestling. I mean, I'm sure it helped. I think I'd have been his favorite because <laughs> he has quite a few. Um, no matter whether I've been into wrestling or not, I think he, I think we've had a special bond and connection. But I think it helped and strengthened it. The fact that I was like, hey, I want to be like you when I grow up. Yeah. Um, because it felt like the right thing to do and the right thing to say. The p- moment where I was like, okay, fuck this. Tights on, straps up, laces tied, let's do this, was the day he died. I remember walking out of the hospital room because uh, I was in the room present when he actually took his last breath. Yeah. And I remember, you know, getting upset and then collecting myself and walking out. i like, all right, fuck it. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this. Um, took a lot of shit to get there. I went through a lot of crazy things. And, like, <laughs> there was plenty of time that I didn't think it was going to happen. But uh, January 31st, 2004, I had my first match in Haltom City, Texas, which was cool because – January 31st, 2004 in Haltom City. And then January 31st, 2020, I wrestled in Haltom City nice. again. So it was like literally on the anniversary of my debut, I had a death match with Masada. So, it's, um, it's funny. It, I, it was, I wrestled Masada and it was just a regular wrestling match. I was kind of upset that it didn't get to be nearly as cool. 
what's crazy is I that was my third or fourth time wrestling him, but yeah. the first time we did hardcore. Nice. We wrestled before, but we've always been like, hey dude, let's just wrestle. Cause he likes my style. Uh I think sometimes I may be a little too cartoony or gimmicky for him, uh-huh. which is fine. Um, but when it, but when I work with him, I'm more straight laced and straightforward and like, all right, dude, like here we go. I I guess the best way to describe it is when I wrestle him, I'm not strutting any. Um and, he, but then, and he's got a funny deal too, because not a funny deal, but you know, everybody knows him as the king of the deathmatch, however many times, and CZW and Deathmatch Dis and over in Japan. That motherfucker is a really, really good wrestler. Like just wrestling. He's one of the top actual professional wrestlers in the world. Like, yeah. I always say there's a big difference between pro wrestling, a sports entertainer. Uh, to me, a sports entertainer is like a worker, and there's a wrestler who's, you know, he's a wrestler. Yeah. He has a pretty good, broad, like, he can cover all those areas and all that spectrums. But what's cool is, like, he's good at the stuff you wouldn't think he would be good at. It just sucks that, like, he got pigeonholed for a long time as just a deathmatch guy. Yeah, no, he, he, the, his shit is incredible. So you started when you when you got in. Where did you where did you initially break in with? I know you said it was hard, and I you know me my his, I came in in Texas too, obviously different spots. But who did you start training with that ultimately brought you up? Was it a, a variety of people? Was it a set school? Did you tail yeah, along with somebody? Yeah, went to school. Uh, went to school in Tyler, Texas. It was uh, and I was living in Shreveport, Louisiana at the time, uh-huh. um, which is a two hour drive there. Uh, training for two hours and then two hours home every Tuesday and Thursday for six months. Um, my trainers are, were Joey Corman and Samir. Samir is now a, an FBI agent in Chicago. Ooh, look out. Don't talk to him. Right. Um, and then Joey actually still wrestles. Nice. Um, he has a lot of stuff in like Tennessee, Arkansas, um, so they were like my main trainers and then the school shut down the school shut down in what was it november of 2013 uh-huh. and i was like man i don't know what to do like should i keep training am i good enough to start taking bookings so i asked joey and samir and they were like dude you learned everything you've learned at the school like we told you months ago to start taking bookings like what are you doing yeah i'm like yeah but i wasn't sure i was really like no we told you you idiot like there's only so much you can do at a school a lot of it's on the job training and i tell guys that all the time like um so i reached out uh with a couple friends of mine and we got booked in january and then in february i worked again and like i I hit the ground running uh i've never had less than two bookings in a month and the most i've had in a month is like what was it like 13 or 14 See, Um, you got a good you got a good spot there in texas too texas is when you talk about that many bookings and i'm assuming did those come in texas Oh yeah, a lot of them come in Texas. Like I, I, yeah. I've been able to set up like, a couple loops in different places. Like um, I've been able to set up like doing like Tennessee and then Mississippi, Louisiana on the way home, and that's just like you know three or four for a weekend, which is still a good weekend. Oh, um, it's really good. But like Texas is so big, people don't realize when like there's shows that run every Friday, multiple. Yeah. There's multiple shows that run every Saturday, uh, like. You, if you come to Texas and you can't get work, you're not trying. So that's what I talked to Rob Love about before. Obviously, you know, you know, we both know Rob, but I believe that, and and you could tell me if you agree or disagree. I'm, I, I never have any, but I don't, I don't hold bias, and I, I, I always believe I'm heat free. I don't give a shit about heat or anything like that, and I'm not about to talk shit on Texas either. 
But you're a guy that I've seen you go out, you leave Texas. I've seen you offer car seats to people like, hey, open spot in a car. We're we're going to Ohio or uh, Indiana or somewhere like that. If I if I'm remembering off the top of my head correctly, uh, Iowa is usually the one I, that I kind of take guys with for the opportunity. But I believe that Texas is its own worst enemy sometimes with some guys because some guys get so trapped in the world of that the loops that they're running in Texas that they get pigeonholed into that world and they don't look outside of it and they assume like people got to realize all eyes aren't always on Texas sometimes they are but they're not always there but you have guys that just don't leave like they have no desire to leave you're leaving you're you're doing good things and I and I, and I like that and I appreciate that as a fellow wrestler I like seeing guys travel because I think it motivates other people to travel but you get a lot of guys that like they just get sucked into Texas and don't go anywhere and then they act like Texas is the best place in the world and I'm not saying it's not but I'm saying do you do you understand what I'm saying with that yeah they get trapped it's like they're blocked and they can't leave so you know Joey and Samir taught me a lot about in-ring stuff and a little bit about the politics and like my first year in Joey got me a, a loop with him where we did two shows in Tennessee one in Georgia and then in Texas yeah like we we literally were on the road from Thursday to Sunday night so like I've always I've always known that you can't just stay in one place forever. And I mean, there's been a few guys that have just been like quote unquote Philadelphia or Texas or Chicago or Florida guys that have gotten signed. Yeah. But that's no one no two journeys are the same. No. Um so I've always been a traveler. I didn't really know how to like start branching out and like making movements or how to get signed or get full time work with bigger companies until about two thousand fourteen. And then, like, obviously, I'm already 10, 11 years in, so it's not wasted time. I learned a lot, and I've got a lot of stuff, you know, tricks in my books and stuff that I've, you know, accomplished. Yeah. But then, you know, once you start branching out, you realize maybe I'm not as good as I was. Like, 2014, I thought I was the pinnacle of Texas wrestling. Uh-huh. Like, I was in the top 10 easy, whether certain promoters, like, put me in their list or not. And then I went and did a Ring of Honor trial and found out, okay, uh, this is where I excel, but this is where I less than excel. Like, for someone who's been wrestling as long as me, I should not be having these kind of problems. But then I, but, but I was able to see the big picture. Yeah. Then I realized that, you know, since 2014, I've hit the ground running. Like, there's, I've hit probably 26 states. Um, and then, you know, I, I was lucky enough to have my uh, three months in Japan with Noah. Yeah. But what, I, what I've noticed and as I got better and saw and like I and understood more of what I was and wasn't doing, I saw that guys here in Texas are there's one of two things. They're either happy being mediocre, yeah, which is I, I hey, if that's your thing, dude, more power to you. But there's also guys, and I'm not gonna name any names because one person in particular comes to mind he's terrified to find out he's not as good as he thinks he is. I, I think you get people like that, almost like they rather be a big fish in a little pond and, yep. and know and know that they're the shark and, and they don't want to go out into the Gulf because they know they might get bit by a, by a different one. Exactly. Uh, that, that's a great analogy, big fish, small pond. And like that attitude has gotten this person very bitter. And then moving forward, like that person saw, okay, maybe I should go out and about and start doing stuff. Yeah. But he's adopted so many bad habits and his attitude is so negative that it's just like, oh, man, like he has all the potential in the world, all the potential in the world. But I think, then I'm like, 
I think a lot of a lot of what happens with some guys too. This wouldn't just be a Texas thing. This is an anywhere thing, but it does relate to the big fish small pond um, uh, van viewpoint. You'll and and I've dealt with this before through. You know what I? You're aware of what I do in wrestling besides just wrestling in terms of like help putting shows together, running shows, etc. Um, I've dealt with people that become such a big fish in a small pond. They think their value is at this level. When in reality, if I take you out of that element and I put you over here, you're not going to do anywhere near what you do here. Does that make sense? Yeah, and and, and that and that scares them or makes them angry, and they're qu- they're quick to quit going to that new area. Yeah. Well, why would I go there? And st- Here's the deal: like, I did a show in San Antonio, and the entire crowd was chanting "dirty." I don't expect that when I go to Seattle. Yeah. Or Chicago. Can I get to that point? Yes. Consistency, working hard, making myself visible, you know, making myself uh, accessible to the people who go to those shows. Of course, you can build that rapport. Yeah. But there's guys that think, oh, well, I'm I'm big shit in Dallas, so here I'm gonna go to uh, you know L.A. and they're they're gonna chant my name when I come out. And you come out and there's crickets and like, oh, well, fuck them. They don't pay attention to what I've been doing. I've been doing good shit. It's like, no, dude. There's way more to it than that. I think a lot of it is people just assume everybody sees stuff on the internet. But if you look. You know, most of the people in my my I have a, a bunch of tons of social media, social media followers. Most of them come from where I've been. So I have a lot of people in Texas. I have a lot of people in Korea. I have a lot of people in Florida. And then, of course, uh, you know, Louisiana and Georgia and Mississippi and Alabama. So I kind of got the southeast covered. I I can go Florida, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana. And then I had a, I had Texas stuff lined up before my injury, which is somewhere where I want to get back regularly. I would like to come to Texas every other month if I can. Um, but I am realistic. I can't go to fucking Toronto, Canada and get the same amount of money I'm going to get in Georgia. It just doesn't work like that. Can you get to that point? Yes. Yeah. But you, <sighs> but you, guys, have, you guys. have to be willing to – this is in – and tell me if you look at it the same way. There's different levels in investing in yourself. One of those is going out and, and looking like a professional, whether the, yep. whether that's getting the type of body that you need or that you strive for, whether that's whether that's muscles are a little thick or skinny or really, really big. And, and, and of course, the boots and the gear. But another part of investing in yourself might be, hey, I make all this money here. Sometimes you got to add it into a big pot and then and see if you're still going to be green at the end of the month. You might lose money here, but you might make a shitload over here. Are you willing to go lose that little bit to show that promoter and that fan base, man, I got to see him, and then they want to continue to book you where you start to make more money. Now you're progressing there. But a lot of people are afraid, and I don't even want to use the term afraid. A lot of people are like, no, fuck that. I'm not going to go there because he won't give me my rate. And it's like, well, motherfucker, your rate isn't that there. there you, you've never yeah. been there. You have to take a loss to make a gain. Sometimes, yes. Yeah, and, and but see, um, the problem with that is you'll have guys that'll take a loss to go wrestle in front of twenty people on a show that won't get any coverage. Yeah, I'll work for free and twenty bucks in gas if the show's plastered all over the internet. A thousand people are going to watch it live. Five thousand are going to watch it like on a streaming service, dude. That's cool because it's getting me more press and coverage. But guys don't know how to do that. And like you said, it's like, oh, well, if I can't get my 250 bucks that I get a local promotion, hey, then I don't, I don't want to go. Like that's, I can't do that. But you can end up making that in so much more if you go there. Because what if you're that one guy they don't have? Yeah. What if you have that look they don't have, that character they don't have, that connection with the people they don't have? Like you never know if you don't like, 
try. Uh, and, and a big thing with that too is, and I know you're well versed on this too, is merchandise as well. You might not make money, you, or you might break. I try. I like. You might break even on gas and expenses. But what if you sell fucking ten shirts and twenty eight by tens? Now you exactly. just you just profited out the ass. But people don't take that into consideration. I'm a big no. I'm a big fan of uh before I take a new booking where somewhere I've never been, I will look at pictures of their previous events and see what their fan base normally is. Like what do they look like they're into? That's gonna kinda We have that, kids, we have like rocker adults, we yeah. have like what what do we have? Yeah. That that's gonna depend on what I wear to the venue. Everything, all those minor details. What am I gonna wear during intermission? What what uh what set of gear am I gonna bring? What what how am I gonna persona what persona am I gonna use in front of these people? And there yeah. there's all those different things that come in. So you you've been how long have you been doing the dirty Andy Dalton? Uh, 2012. And what what was, what's been your, every once in a while on podcasts, I like to talk, kind of hit some random shit, but what has been the stupidest gimmick that you've ever had, but you, but you didn't dislike it, but, but if you were to look at everything as a whole, it would have been the dumbest thing that you've ever done in the 17 years or whatever you've been wrestling. Ooh. Okay. So the dumbest, dumbest gimmick I've done that I've enjoyed. Okay. So there's two of them. Uh, one of them unfortunately started out really cool, but then like there was some pieces added to my puzzle that made it not be good. Um, so it kind of, uh, yeah. So we'll get to that one second. The first one was uh, I did a tag team called the Hard Bodies. I've wrestled the um, Hard Bodies. <laughs> yes, you have. <laughs> I took a pile uh, driver. <laughs> me, Specter, and Lamada were the original. Well, the original incarnation was me and a gentleman who is nowhere near wrestling at all anymore. Uh, but the second incarnation uh, was me and Lamada. Then we added Spectre to the group. Then Lamada ended up leaving. Me and Spectre, we had to split up, blah, 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 moved on, whatever. Yeah. Uh, the tag team was a complete and utter ripoff of the ambiguously gay duo from, is it Mad TV or? Was that Saturday Night Live? Yeah, Saturday Night Live. Okay. Yeah. So the crowd knew we were gay. We didn't. We just really <laughs> loved each other. We were also all three extremely chubby and out of shape yeah but we acted like we were bodybuilders yeah which which you no know, it, it covered a lot of ground we were gay bodybuilders hold on bro like, i, I could have swore he, i could have swore joey specter used to be an ifbb professional bodybuilder back in the day uh maybe in a past life <laughs> <laughs> um but it touched on a lot of nerves because like you know you think of a bodybuilder you think of a big jacked up badass tough guy yeah like and then to make him ambiguously gay you're like wait a minute what yeah. And then you see this, and you're like, dude, you guys, the only push-up y'all do is pushing away from the dinner table. Like, <laughs> don't don't, don't even start with me. So um, that was a lot of fun. And, like, I did the reunion with Spectre against you and Rob, and that was a blast. Yeah. Uh, we printed 25 hard body shirts and sold so, all 25. I did People the, were just didn't ecstatic. I, I did the ravishing gimmick that night, correct? Yep. I did yep. the same thing with Rav. With the, I sold a bunch of ravishing shirts that night too, with the kiss and the va- rip off of Rick Rude, basically. But, Complete. Yeah, but that was a good night. That was awesome. That yeah, was a good it was night. <laughs> um, then, when I got away from being the hard bodies at RCW, I was just myself, and I still didn't know who I was. I just went by Andy Dalton. I had no gimmick. I was just me. Yeah. Um, and then. I remember one of the creative forces behind RCW uh, was like, bro, I get you being just Andy Dalton, but I want something the crowd can get really get into. What could you do? 
So then I remembered my trainer, Joey Corman, had a gimmick that he didn't really play up too much, but I knew that I had the ability to do. Uh Um, So I wanted to be the playboy Andy Dalton. And I had crushed velvet bell bottoms made. I had zebra print kick pad covers. But I was on it. Like, and I was strutting to the ring. Like, I was feeling it. And then the creative forces are like, oh my God, I love it. That's perfect. Now I need you to go to a sex store or a strip club store and get a fishnet t-shirt and i was like <laughs> do i know okay, do i know not, do i know these creative forces uh bro yes, yeah, you do. i was gonna say this sounds <laughs> shockingly familiar to <laughs> so suggestions like, that i would it went down that road and i was like all right i, I can kind of get with that it's not really my vision but like maybe you have a better perspective than i do yeah then he had me get a valet, and I was like, well, I'm, if I'm a playboy, shouldn't I have, like, multiple chicks? Yeah. And he's like, no, she's your main chick, and she helps you get other chicks, but she's your number one. And I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> then he had me film vignettes where I would hit on girls, and they would diss me. And then I was like, this is perfect. Like, I'm supposed to be the playboy, but I can't get any play. He goes, yeah, so instead of you having a bunch of chicks, she's only going to be your one. I was like, all right, cool. Then we filmed a vignette where I walked in and she was standing at a urinal peeing because I was dating a transvestite. <laughs> and, you... and I was like, <laughs> I, I, I had her as my manager for like three or four months. And then I, I just told the creative forces, I don't like it. I'm not feeling it. Like, And I had an idea to go a different route. And he was like, you know what? Let's just give you the creative freedom to do what you want. Do that. I was able to drop the playboy thing and join my two best friends at the time in wrestling, Danny Matthews and Scott McKenzie and form our little free bird style group. Uh-huh. And then two months later they were gone. Three months later I was gone. Uh-huh. So I kind of saw the writing on the wall. I wasn't doing what was told or asked. And like my vision of the playboy and his vision of the playboy was not the same. Too, yeah. uh, the music he forced me to use was right. Said Fred, I'm too sexy. <laughs> Did it get a reaction? Yes, but it's fucking cheap. dude. Like, there becomes a point with some stuff where I think that, and I'm not talking about just there, and 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 this is taking all people out of the equation. I think that when you do some things, some things in some places work, and then they don't work in other places, um, in terms of gimmicks. And I think a lot of guys are starting to get to the point. I know I'm like I'm like, this is how I am. If I'm doing a gimmick, I I need to do that same gimmick everywhere. Otherwise, it messes up all of my marketing and everything that I do. You know what I mean? So you you can't be that playboy character like that there and have an extremely comedic uh, view that the people have on you and then go somewhere else and try to do it your way. You know what I mean? Yeah. It makes it really makes it difficult. You have to respect the integrity. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so those are probably the two gimmicks that, like, uh, they just didn't really, never really, the hard body thing is fun. Uh, sadly enough, I actually had a request to do that again, mm-hmm. and Spectre wanted to do it again. Uh, I'm very much like a, a forward, onward, and upwards. I understand there's always a nostalgia kick, and there's always, like, a, a respect for stuff like that. Yeah. But after my match with you and Rob, I took the hard body shirt off, laid it in the middle of the ring, kissed it, and walked away. I'm done. Like, I, I don't want to revisit that because... I feel like it's almost, and I hate, God, I know it's going to sound terrible shitting on something like this, but how many reunions can, a D, can DX do before it's like, okay, dude, we get it? Yeah. Like, and I love DX. Shawn Michaels is in my top five, but I can only see them come out and tell the crowd to suck it. So many reunions. And, and, get it, and get excited about it. Yeah, like, 
ah, cool. Yeah. It's just not. So I knew that the, I knew that when I took, when I wrestled you and Rob and I took the hard body shirt off and I kissed it in the middle of the ring. And like, I think everybody, I knew that was like me closing that book. Yeah. And every time I see Spectre, he's like, dude, we can go national with that. And I'm just like, <laughs> I, I don't mean to be a dick Spectre, but I get bookings in Seattle, Iowa. Like I'm working on New York stuff once all this uh, pandemic come, go, goes away. Like I, I don't need you to go national. Yeah. What what is your uh, best match you, or favorite match you've ever had? If you were to think back, if this could be the one and only match you ever had in wrestling, the only one you, you is your first one you were forced to retire after. What would it be? I repeat that again. I'm sorry. If you had one match, if you went back to everything that you've ever done, and you had to pick one match to be your one and only, and it would end up being the only thing you ever did, what would that match be? Man, fuck. That's okay. Uh, you started saying the question, and I immediately thought of an answer. And I was like, "No, that's only because it's semi-fresh in my head. I don't want to like go to that." But like, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, "It's got to be." Um, so at MPX, which is a weekly show in Dallas every Saturday, yeah. Um, I had formed a group in January of 2017 with my best friend Scott McKenzie. Is this um, the t- down the fight? Yeah, DTF. Yeah, I pay attention. And over a couple of years, like we added members, we took members away, uh, but it was always me and me and him were always like the like the, the cornerstone, the backbone. Yeah. Um, and then I got hurt, and they and he ended up winning the MPX title. He lost it, and I came back. We were kind of like just toiling in the mid card, not really like getting any traction. And then we did a story where no one saw it coming because me and Scott are real life best friends, like. My daughter Mia, her middle name is Mackenzie, uh-huh. from Scott. Like, and everyone knows. It, and he turned on me. And uh-huh. then we had like a two month feud. And in pro wrestling, I know two months isn't a long time. However, MPX is weekly, yeah. so that's, that's eight or nine shows. That's a lot. That that ended in a uh, bunkhouse brawl. Now, what was cool was they were on every Saturday. The Wednesday before our bunkhouse brawl, their champion went down with a back injury and had to like relinquish the title. Mm-hmm. So then our feud already personal always already like a, a crazy insane bunkhouse brawl that you know we're gonna cause beat the hell out of each other then the mpx title gets added to it we're both former champions we both held it while we're in dtf so like there's so much like full circle and then we went out there and we literally beat the dog shit out of each other um i at one point i took he laid a board on the mat that had barbed wire sticking up off of it, opened oh. a chair on top of it, and tombstone me through the chair into the barbed wire. Oh, fuck. Like, a... and I'm, ble- I'm bleeding buckets. Uh, I'm, I actually, in no one see, I'm, I'm big on lots, lots of little things equal a big thing. Yeah. For that match, I wore the Southern Sex Appeal shirt, the shirt of the group that me and him had formed at RCW years ago. Uh-huh. Like, I wore that and in a pair of jeans and cowboy boots. Uh, and we just, and like, if I had one match to like show for my career or go back and like, that's the one thing I can take from pro wrestling. It's that match. Cause Who ended up it was emotion. It was real. He won it. Okay. Um, it was cool because I grabbed him for the power driver lights went out when he came back on Jamie Yaller was in the ring uh-huh. and Jamie Yaller was like the commissioner, head of the show and a manager. He grabbed me, went to a raise a kendo to hit me with it. Lights went off. Or I, I gave him a nut shot, and then I grabbed him for the power driver. Lights went off, and he came back on. Brent McKinty was in the ring. I turned around. He punched me in the face. Scott hit his finisher. One, two, three. They stood tall over my 
bloody carcass. Um, and he was the MPX champion. And like, unfortunately I, cause MPX is, it's there every Saturday. Yeah. I can't commit to being there every Saturday cause I've got bookings all over. I'll give them any open Saturdays I can because it still feels like home. Yeah. The crowd responds and loves me. And there's times I go, you know what? I'm going to block out this month and give them a full month of me to like do a cool little storyline with or whatever. But after that show, uh, it was January of 2019. Um, I took probably a, like I would do MPX like every other month, maybe once every other month. Um, by the time I gave them like a month, Scott had to retire because of his back injury. And now everyone's still like, well, is Scott ever going to come back and like reunite with you? Are you guys ever going to have, am I ever going to get my comeuppance? And I'm such an old school guy that like the big face always has to have his comeuppance. But this is an instance where I think it's okay because the fans are always going to wonder, will Dalton ever get his comeuppance or Scott? Will they reunite? Are they okay? Like, what's ever going to happen? Now, I'm sure maybe two of the MPX faithful that go there weekly remember any of that stuff. But to me, it's special, and it means a big deal to me. Um, and I like longevity, and I like storytelling, and I like stuff that can, like <sighs> – that, that overlaps and overlays to other stories, other promotions, other companies. And like it's a bigger picture type thing. Um, I've said, I've said time and time again, I personally believe that stories that people are invested in sell more tickets and force people to have to come back versus five-star wrestling classic matches. Well, completely. Yeah. I tell I said all the time, I would rather have an emotionally invested match. Yeah. Uh, there wasn't actually a match. I went to MPX since last Saturday, last Saturday they ran. Um, and my other best friend was in a match with the guy who owns MPX. Uh-huh. Uh, and both of the guys, Stephen Kirby and Jackson Stone, are capable of doing every move in pro wrestling. Move guys, cool, whatever. There was a moment in the match where Jackson got his back hurt, and you could, like, the crowd was so emotionally involved. And damn, Kirby trained Jackson. Should he be fucking up his back? Yeah. Like, Jackson's hurt. Like, you could feel the emotion in the room. Like, my daughter was there. She ran up and she goes, oh, my God, is Jackson okay? Uh, People were legitimately concerned. And at that point, when you know people care and there's an emotional connection, like, I I would much rather see a wrestler, quote, unquote, hurt his back and tell a story in the ring than do a fucking 630. Yeah. Can you do a 630? Dude, hey, I'm all for that stuff. Ricochet's a great performer and a hell of a wrestler. I'm not even going to take that away from the guy. Uh but imagine if someone broke his leg and the whole story was built around him coming back. Can he go to the top? Every time he goes to the top, he gets scared. Yeah. He's like, damn, fuck, I can't do it. I can't do it. And he finally, when he finally overcomes it, the reaction for going up top and doing that 630 will be more than anything he's ever done in his entire life. Yep. Uh, I can appreciate and respect all of that stuff. And there's a time and place for it completely. There's times, because I help put a show together uh, near the Corpus Christi area. I'm all for looking at two guys and going, hey, you guys have a fireworks show. And they always, anytime I say that, some guys are like, wait, what do you mean fireworks show? And I'm like, when you watch a fireworks show, you raise your head and you go, <gasps> when something pops and makes a loud noise and looks cool, and then another one goes off. Then another one goes off. And another one goes off. That's you, the, that, that needs to be the match. And you can never, you can never remember. The whole time. You can never remember all the fireworks either. Exactly. <laughs> People think they But there's, you need that moment. You need that, like, before you have the national anthem where you eat your hot dog or you go watch your traditional 4th of July yeah. movie, you got to have that moment of, oh, that's pretty and that looks cool. Like there's nothing wrong with having that scattered. You know, it's really, what's really funny. And I, I have, obviously we both probably have a lot of friends that are into that kind of stuff, 
Um, but I'll, I'll be in the locker room and I'll just tie what I say to them into what we were just talking about. I'll kind of like marry them together. So it makes sense in this, but you know, you're doing a fireworks show that no one's going to remember. I'll look at them beforehand. And I'm like, you guys know, you're not going to remember half these fireworks. Right. <laughs> and you're not going to know, you're not, you're not going to know what to do either when it happens. You're gonna look at each other like a bunch of fucking idiots, and but but uh, but what's cool is you find those guys that are able to when the one fireworks fuse doesn't light, yeah. the next one knows where to go, and and that's few and far between. But there are some special guys that can do that type of shit. Yeah, you hope, Wait, and there are some. But uh, we're almost we're almost running out here. I we're we're like right at about an hour. Um, oh, I damn. I got one last thing that I want to ask you, and this is only because I've seen you uh, do a lot of stuff i came up in texas um which i don't think a lot of people i think a lot of people know but i think when i was in texas i was kept in kind of a back pocket i was in rcw the whole time until i moved to florida and it wasn't until i moved to florida where i really started branching out with saxon that i got into you know louisiana and then down into tampa and georgia and all these other states so tech i think there's a lot of people that there's a lot of people that don't even know that i wrestled there that i started there so i yeah. i've always considered myself a texas guy but i always feel like i'm in such a weird spot I don't think any of the Texas guys consider me a Texas guy. And then the Florida guys don't consider me a Florida guy because they know that I didn't train here. So I'm a, I'm a bastard child no matter where I go. But I've been I've always watched and paid attention to what you're doing all the way back uh, from even when I started out just because I used to pay attention to what was going on and looked at places where I wanted to work. And then obviously had an opportunity to work with you uh, quite a few times in Louisiana um, and then in Texas and – I've seen where you're going and what you're doing and things. And it's, I like it. It's inspirational. I think that you definitely fit the mold of, uh, something that I talked about with, uh, on a, on a podcast a few weeks ago was, uh, success and people's definition of success. And I think that you would believe that you're successful. You always want to be more successful, but I think to guys like yourself, definitely to me, I don't, I, this is how I feel. I don't think you need a contract to be successful. You just have to be happy with what you're doing to be successful. And I, I believe that you have that feeling. I'm not, and I'm not even asking if you do, I'm just telling you, I believe that you do. But my question is where, do you see yourself going? What is what is your end goal with wrestling? And, and I don't mean end goal in terms of well, I want to wrestle twenty more years and retire. Um, what what do you want to become or mold yourself into? And I don't care if it's as cheesy as I want to be the WWE champion one day, or maybe you want to be Ring of Honor champion, or maybe you just want a contract with uh, Impact Wrestling. What for you would be that point that you would hit and think? I've accomplished what I want to accomplish. I don't want to retire right now. You're going to continue to go. But at what point would you reach? What is, I guess I'm trying to ask, what, what do you want to do where you can sit back and sip a beer and think to myself, think to yourself, like, fuck, I did it? Well, I'll have moments like that. And, I've, and like you said, I mean, uh, I saw it in a podcast, not a podcast, a, a, a shoe video once. The, the term success is so completely screwed yeah. by society and culture. If you say, hey, I'm going to be a pro wrestler, and you get booked, and you get paid, and you have a professional wrestling match, and you walk back to the curtain after your match, and you're not dead, and you're then you are a success, yeah. period. Now, is there different levels of success? In everything in life, there's different levels to all that type of stuff. 
Um, so yeah, I'm with you. I, I do believe that I am a success story that a lot of people can learn and grow from either my knowledge or from looking at my experiences. And like, I just shared my experiences with a group of guys recently because I saw them doing some stuff that I know is not going to be beneficial yeah. to them growing. Um, at no point, like, I know you don't, I know you don't mean that I'll stop working hard, yeah. but like, I think I'll have a breakdown moment of like, Oh fuck, I made it or I did it. Uh, personally, if I sign a ring of honor contract, cause I've been working for those guys off and on since 2009. Uh-huh. And I've always had the, 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 the carrot dangled in front of me, but it's never came fully to fruition. Um, now professionally, like a contract anywhere would obviously be cool to have and say, that, you know, I was a contracted pro wrestler. Um, where do I see myself? Like what, what making it for me personally is signing ring of honor just because it's goal. Yeah. Uh, and then if I, and if, which if, while it's only two letters is the biggest word in the English language. If I were to sign with ring of honor at any point, my goal is ring of honor world title, like period. Like, I mean, I've got ring of honor on my TV right now. Yeah. Uh, it, I, it, it's a company that like, I've seen grow and go through a lot of bad and a lot of good. I mean, I've been around for a lot of it. I've been around through a couple of different uh, bookers and owners and stuff like that. Mm. Um, so like personally, that's like a man, I made it. Uh, I think it would be cool beyond an in-ring career to be like a coach or an agent or a, uh, what do they call them now? Producer. Yeah. Um, I've got a couple friends that are quote unquote producers for the WWE and it's a cool process and it's cool to watch. And it's cool to see those guys like, they never really had a big money run, a big WWE run, um, but they're still able to facilitate. And they make money, um, and they still get to be around it, and they help put shit together. Like they, exactly, they have a, like, a, a direct hand in what people view. But they could still go to Walmart and not be like, you know, harassed. Bombarded. Exactly, yeah. it's the best of both worlds. And like I, yeah. like I said, I hope run a show in Corpus, and I'll sit up in the in, in the locker room and look out the little window that overlooks the ring and the ringside area. And like something that I'll have put together will come to fruition and the crowd will lose their mind. And it'll be the same feeling in my heart that I get when I'm in the ring performing. Yeah. You get the goosebumps over it and you're like, wow. Luckily yeah, like you, you have watching it doesn't hurt as bad. Yeah. <laughs> so well, that's like with the shit, I mean, with, the, with some of the shit that you come up with. Yeah. Watching it probably doesn't hurt nearly as bad. Right. Um, it's, 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 I mean, at the end of the day, I want to sign a contract and I want to be financially comfortable and set from professional wrestling. Whether that happens or not remains to be seen. Um, I don't think I, I'm a big, I, I do not like the term, the cream always rises to the top yeah. because I can think of a plethora of guys who should have contracts that probably never will. Yep. Uh, and there's nothing we can do about it. Like, it's just life. Uh, it's right place, right time. It's being seen by the right person in the right match, in the right circumstances. I'm going, oh, look, I need that guy to do this. It's, it's, I don't like to use the word luck because it's not luck. You have to have talent once you're in those positions to excel. Exactly. Um, I think if given a, an opportunity to excel, I think I could, I could, I could wholeheartedly because um, I have a very strong support system, you know, through my family and my friends and, you know, coworkers and stuff. Uh, I guess just at the end of the day, like I'd like to leave wrestling better than it was when I got into it, which is already much better than it was because this indie boom that we were featuring, there was none of that shit when I broke in. No. None of that shit. I've been I've been fortunate enough from when I came in. You know, I've been wrestling going on eight years now, and it's you know not nearly as you know you got nine years on me, but I would say that the last two years seems to be 
really good for all of us really good unless, yeah. unless you suck <laughs> but for, <laughs> but even for myself you know we me and you have had multiple conversations how many times have you heard me say i'm not a wrestler i'm an entertainer you know what i mean but even for a guy like me every who doesn't go out i don't do 450s i don't chain wrestle really i i am a really big in in crowd type stuff and working a crowd and a gimmick and stuff which which you i th- i feel like you need and you need big guys you need heavyweights and stuff like that which i fit but um i i personally think that your goals are attainable i'm not trying to i'm not trying to rub your balls or suck you off or anything like that you're someone that i've always thought um you think I believe you think positively of yourself and you you carry yourself in your own way how you want you don't let people tell you what you need to do or how you need to be you just do you and that's yep. and that's a positive thing you I know from conversations we've had um in person you've had talks with me where you built me up and I I remember one time you told me you have presence presence but we've also had conversations where fuck I suck where that where that's been my thought but it's that's a good thing because you're one of those people that you're not going to bullshit somebody. You're going to tell them nope. what you feel, how it works, and it's it's a shame because not a lot of people are like this. You are you are like this, but not a lot of people are have an attitude of not just what's good for Andy Dalton, but what's good for the wrestling business because Andy Dalton's part of the wrestling business. Not a lot of people realize that. That's such an like like I said a minute ago. That's such an important integral part of it. I want to leave pro wrestling better yeah. than it was when I got into it. That's exactly it. Like you just nailed it. Like I don't want something to be good for Andy Dalton. I want something to be good for pro wrestling because that fucking affects Andy Dalton. Yep. I'm in wrestling. Exactly. Like if people don't get that, like yeah, I'm 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 brutally honest. Um, I don't always convey my passion the right way verbally or through text message. Uh, but no one can ever deny my passion or my like love for pro wrestling. I just don't always convey it the best. I'm not the best with words. Uh, and it's crazy because I actually try to be like I uh, I go on Google and I look up vocabulary words. I like to find different ways to. Uh, You'd rather put a Facebook post up, whip out a thesaurus real quick for another word. Dude, yes, completely. <laughs> I've done um, that. So I, yeah, that, that's cool. That I'm. That, that's kind of you know respected by your peers it doesn't pay the bills but it's so cool to have and the fact that someone who i've been around a a considerable amount with like i haven't been around you like all the time uh the fact that you picked up on that you noticed that that makes me feel good that like even from afar people can notice that identify that and see that yeah and i mean there's guys that come to me all the time if you went through my inbox besides seeing like 500 girls blowing me up because they love me uh you see guys going hey will you watch my match you get whoa 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 you get girls on yours it's always dudes on mine well i get must a little be, bit of both you must know, be whatever. a must it's the body guy thing brother it's the, well, of course yep <laughs> uh i even get guys that are on current television go hey do, can you please watch this and give me your opinion that's good like they're on that are contracted television professional wrestlers that's good uh, and it's cool to have that kind of like uh to people, carry that people have that trust in you yep that they have in that respect yep we're 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 pretty we're pretty we're running out of time i want to get to a point because you know we did talk in the beginning um i'm going to be honest with you man uh, i hope there's a lot of people listening some podcasts a lot do some podcasts a lot don't this is obviously going to be spread out and promoted um but the biggest thing i think uh, and one of the most important things uh, especially at a time like now um for guys like you um, you you got merchandise and shit like that. 
and you, obviously this is a time when I think you'd want to sell it, even if you're not at a show. So what is a way that if anyone listening wants to buy something, they can hit up and make that happen? Is there a website? Is there an email? Uh, so you can go to uh, ProWrestlingTees.com backslash Dirty Dalton. They've got four designs on there. Okay. I support ProWrestling Tees. They help a lot of professional wrestlers make uh, a substantial amount of money. Um, there's a lot of people on there, so I'm sure a lot of guys get lost in the shuffle, I being one of them. I honestly, I'm not even going to sit here and lie or bullshit nobody. Through the ProWrestling Tees website, I may make two to three sales a month, Yeah. Um, which is cool, though, because like I don't have to print, order, or ship. I just collect a check once a month. That's like. Cool. That's what I like. I got, I have a, I have pro wrestling tees also. Same thing. I have, I think I have seven now or something, but you're same. I've had it for so long, but yeah, it's, it's, dude, there's some good months and then there's some like, what the fuck? (laughs) There's some, there's, my favorite is when I forget I have the store. Yeah. Cause they get a chat in my PayPal and I'm like, wait, what? I sold some shirts. Yeah. When the fuck did that happen? It'd been like four Um, months and you haven't seen anything. So you got pro wrestling tees.com slash backslash dirty Andy Dalton. And where else? Is there any other Uh, store? if you know, I, I need to open up either a website or a separate Instagram. If you go to my Instagram, which is just Dirty and you don't know, or my Facebook, there's pictures of – I have a clothing line. It's called PS Dirty, um, and I've got everything from gym bags, like drawstring bags, uh-huh. panties, long sleeve shirts, T-shirts, gym shorts. Uh, if it's printable, You're gonna my print provider it. can do it. And what's really cool, and like I, I, I try to stress this in my posts on social media about it. I don't think guys fully comprehend it. Like, there's some designs that are just on T-shirts. If you wanted that T-shirt design on a pair of panties, I can do that. Yeah. Any of my designs and my merchandise are all interchangeable because I work personally with a local provider who I don't have to go to this person and go, I need 50 shirts of this design. I can go to this person and go, hey, someone just ordered two tank tops of the – uh lone star beer logo i ripped off i need that and shipped out to him and that's it it's done simple so you got that so instagram's at dirty andy dalton yeah dirty Andy dalton all one word it's on facebook too just look up dirty andy dalton uh, if you send me a friend request odds are i won't see it i got like 900 pending your best <laughs> bet is to message me and say hey i messaged you i'm interested in buying something i want to buy a picture i just want to say hi i have no problem chatting with fans the problem is, if we're not friends, it get, it gets lost in the spam folder. Yep, that sucks. Uh, I, however, am not like other people that I've heard joke about this and brag about it. I check my spam folder. I do. Like weekly. You get a lot. In, you get a lot in there. <laughs> Dude, you'd be surprised. The first time I discovered it, I was like, "What in the hell am I shit, looking at?" Shit from like, like three years messages. ago. <laughs> Dude, I had stuff from when I worked in Homa. <laughs> like i was like wait could what, you understand what, what it said <laughs> not really <laughs> never not from louisiana oh, no. so i got so i gotta i gotta wrap this up but before i do i have one quick question uh for you and i know it's something that i've tapped on briefly in the past it never seems to piss you off um but you know it's been a crazy off season with the nfl right now but what made you leave the Bengals and get into wrestling <laughs> See, if you present it with a funny question like that, I'm okay with it. Uh, a fun little sidebar before you have to get off here. Uh, he's from Fort Worth, and that's like an hour from me. Nice. I lived in Fort Worth for three years. I have an ex-girlfriend whose sister waited on him, uh, and apparently he was a dickhead who didn't tip. So if by any chance he sounds he like hears you, this, no, right? If by any chance he hears this or someone tells him about this being on a podcast, I tweeted him all the time. I 
send him messages on Instagram, he won't respond. I was willing to wear one of his jerseys to the ring <laughs> if he wore one of my shirts on the field. But if he wants to be an asshole, then he can do that too. Because I'm while he makes more money than me, I'm clearly more talented in my profession than he is at fucking throwing footballs. <laughs> I think that about wraps it up. Everybody, I want to, I want to, that you have a Twitter. You didn't have a Twitter. You got one? Twitter, uh, everything is Dirty Andy Dalton. All one word, all lowercase, just D-I-R-T-Y-A-N-D-Y-D-A-L-T-O-N. You'd be surprised the amount of people who misspell Dalton. <laughs> no, I'm not surprised on misspelling at all nowadays. <laughs> but hey, that's right. that's going to wrap it up this week with Dirty Andy Dalton. Everybody that tuned in, I'm glad that you listened. Hopefully you liked it. If this is the first time you've ever listened to podcast hey if you can do me a favor rate it review it definitely subscribe to it whether it's google podcast apple podcast or if you're listening on spotify there's plenty of other podcast hosts but i'm not even going to name all of them those are the top three i got some cool shit lined up uh some musicians some other wrestlers a bunch of cool shit like i said please subscribe tell everybody about it uh, grassroots i do put some money into advertising but definitely not much at all i rely on word of mouth and shit getting out there so i appreciate everyone that turned in to listen andy i want to thank you again for coming on this week and for those of you out there in the world make sure you tune in next week to the ryan ocean podcast <laughs>